you would, actually we're going we're gonna to be in Ezekiel chapter 16 tonight, but first of all, we're going to be in a few other places, so if you want to just earmark Ezekiel 16, that's where we'll be looking at in a little while. The name of the message is the time of love, the time of love, and today our text will be found in Ezekiel chapter 16, verses 1 to 14, where we see a picture of our natural state, and, and we, we see a picture of our natural state as spiritual Israel, and then we see the manifold blessings which we have in Christ Jesus, our Lord, who is the God of Israel. But before we go there, let us take some time on a brief history of Israel's beginnings. Now we know that the nation of Israel, which in a time became very powerful, they became a very powerful nation, they became a great nation. In the days of David and Solomon, they were a great nation. But it started out with one man, didn't it? Abraham. Abraham. Turn, if you would, to Joshua chapter 24. But again, keep your finger in Exodus because we'll be going there. Or I mean, uh, in Ezekiel. Joshua 24. Now God, when he called Abraham, Abraham, beloved, was steeped in idolatry. He was steeped in idolatry. He was in the heathen land. And the scriptures plainly, plainly bring that forth. And I want us to think where we were when God called us. We were in the same place. We were serving other gods, weren't we? Which weren't really other gods. <laughs> and sometimes we were serving the God of self even. Right? Thinking that, oh, we're good. I'm not an axe murderer. Surely God will let me into heaven. There's none righteous, no, not one. There's none good. Look at this in Joshua 24, 2 and 3. And Joshua said unto all the people, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, Your fathers dwelt on the other side of the flood in the old time, even Terah, the father of Abraham, and the father of Nechor. And they served what? Other gods. And I took your father Abraham from the other side of the flood and led him throughout all the land of Canaan and multiplied his seed and gave him Isaac. So God called Abraham out of idolatry. That was the state that Abraham was in. Now turn, if you would, to Deuteronomy chapter 7. Abraham was an older man when God called him, and, and at that time he had no children, and his wife was well older in years and, and well past the age of childbearing, and yet came from this one man, a mighty nation. A mighty nation. He went from nothing spiritual to heaven everything all by the grace of God. And all by the power of God. Because if God had left Abraham in that idolatry, he never would have known God. But he was one of God's chosen people. And again, it's all by the power of God. We see this declared over in Deuteronomy chapter 7. Look at verses 6 to 8. For thou art an holy people. And Brother Roy and I, we, were, we always do a devotional every Sunday night. And we were looking at a devotional by Octavius Winslow tonight. And, and that, that, that brother brought out the fact that we are only holy in Christ. 
We're only holy in Christ. So, so when you see that, for thou art an holy people, know that, that the only way we're holy is in Christ. No other way. No other way. Unto the Lord thy God. We're his. The Lord thy God hath chosen thee to be a special people unto himself. God has chosen you. If you're one of his blood-bought people, God has chosen you unto himself. Isn't that amazing? That's absolutely stunning. <laughs> Me, a sinner? Yeah. Saved by the grace of God in Christ. And, and, and to God, I'm a special people, and so are you if you're one of his people. Oh, my. And we're, we're chosen unto himself. Above all people. We've seen that. This, does this not scream of God's distinguishing grace right here before us? We see that in our own lives, and now we see it here. And Israel, remember, is a picture of the church, beloved. Above all people that are on the face of the earth, remember, we're chosen out of our generation. Just let that sink in. That's just incredible in itself. You're a chosen generation. Chosen out of your own generation by God in, in eternity. Look at this. The Lord did not set his love upon you nor choose you because you were more in number than any other people, for, for you were the fewest of all people. But because the Lord loved you, there's the key right there. Why are we, we who are his born-again, blood-bought people, why are we born again? Why are we love? Why are we Christ? Because God's loved us. And we know that's an eternal love. And because he would keep the oath which he had sworn unto your fathers, hath the Lord bought you out of, with a mighty hand and redeemed you out of the house of the bondman from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Now we know he's speaking of Israel here, but again, Israel is a picture of the church. We have been bought out of the world, beloved. And that is the Egypt. Egypt is, is a picture of the world. We've been bought out of that, beloved. And how we've been bought out? By a mighty hand. By a mighty hand, we've been bought out. We could never bring ourselves out. We've been bought out. We've been redeemed. And it says that, and redeemed you. Who redeemed us? The Lord Jesus Christ. He purchased us, didn't he? Yeah. Oh, my. And the only reason that Israel had become a great nation is because of God's grace and power in making it so. That's the only reason. That's the only reason. And, and so we, we know, turn now if you would to Jeremiah 18, we know, we know it's so because of the illustration of the potter in Jeremiah chapter 18. Look at this. Jeremiah 18, verses 1 to 6, the word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, Arise and go down to the potter's house, and there I will cause thee to hear my word. And I went down to the potter's house. And behold, he wrought a work on, on the wheels. So here's this potter. He's got a lump of clay. Right? And what's he going to do with it? Well, look at this. And the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter. So he made it again. Another vessel. It seemed good to the potter to make it. Who has the power there? The potter or the clay? The clay's not saying, I've mentioned this before, the clay's not saying, well, I want to be a candlestick. Is it? It's not saying nothing. It, it, it's formed however the potter wants it to be formed. He has all the power over that clay to do whatever he pleases to do. And we know the picture there, don't we? 
Oh, we know the picture there. That's us. That's us. Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, O house of Israel, can I not do with you as the potter? Now think of that with spiritual Israel. With God's elect. Think of that with, with, with the whole world. Can he not do with the world and the people in it whatever he pleases? He can, can he? Because he's the potter. He can do whatever he pleases. O house of Israel, can I not do with you as this potter, saith the Lord? Behold, as the clay is in the potter's hand, so are you in mine, O house of Israel. That ties right in. That ties right in with, with Scripture where it says that, that, that he does whatever he wills. In the armies of heaven, in all the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing. He doesn't need any of us, beloved. Just remember that. He, he, he's God. He chose to save us by his grace. All to manifest his mercy and his love is absolutely wonderful. Now let's turn to Ezekiel chapter 16. With all that in our minds, let us turn to Ezekiel chapter 16 and we'll read verses 1 to 14. Look at this. And again, verse 1, The word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, cause Jerusalem to know her abominations. And say, Thus saith the Lord God unto Jerusalem, Thy birth and thy nativity is of the land of, the, of Canaan. Thy father was an Amorite, and thy mother an Hittite. Well, he's speaking of Abraham and Sarah. And they were, we know, they were, they were idol worshippers. As for thy nativity in the day that thou was born, thy navel was not cut, neither wast thou washed in water to supple thee. Thou wast not salted at all, nor swaddled at all. None I pity thee to do any of these unto, unto thee, to have compassion upon thee. But thou wast cast out in the open field to the loathing of thy person in the day that thou wast born. And when I passed by thee, and saw thee polluted in thine own blood. I said unto thee, when thou wast in thy own blood, live. What a beautiful word. Live. Live, yea, I said unto thee, when thou wast in thy blood, live. I have caused thee to multiply as the bud of the field. Now remember, Israel became a great nation. Who was it that done that? God. God allowed that to happen. And I caused thee to multiply as the bud of the field, and thou hast increased and waxen great, and thou art come to an excellent ornaments. Thy, thy breasts are fashioned, and thine hair is growing, whereas thou was naked and bare. Now when I passed by thee and looked upon thee, behold, thy time was the time of love. And I've spread my skirt over thee. And covered thy nakedness. Yea, I, I swear unto thee, and entered into a covenant with thee, saith the Lord thy God, and thou became thou becomest mine. Look at those marvelous words. And thou becamest mine. Then washed I thee with water, yea, I thoroughly washed away thy blood from thee, and I anointed thee with oil. 
I clothed thee also with bordered work, and shod thee with badger skin, and I girded thee about with fine linen, and I covered thee with silk. I decked thee also with ornaments, and I put bracelets upon thy hands, and a chain on thy neck. And I put a jewel on thy forehead, and earrings in thine, thine ears, and a beautiful crown upon thine head. Well, she's just adorned, isn't she? Oh. These picture all the spiritual blessings we have in Christ, beloved. That was decked with gold and silver, and the remnant, and thy remnant was of fine linen and silk and broidered work, and thou didst eat fine flour and honey and oil, and thou was exceedingly beautiful. And thou didst prosper into a kingdom. And thy renown went forth among the heathen for thy beauty. For it was perfect through my comeliness. Now notice that. It was perfect through my comeliness, God says. Which I put upon thee, saith the Lord God. We'll visit that later on. Now take note in verses 10 to 14. Their beauty was perfect through his, through his beauty, beloved. Through his beauty. See the word comeliness there in verse 14? It's translated in the Hebrew as magnificence, glory, splendor, majesty. Just as we saw in our study in Song of Solomon, our beauty comes from where? It comes from Christ, beloved. It comes from Christ. It comes from his righteousness. (laughs) Oh, my. God looks upon us. He sees the perfect, spotless righteousness of Christ which he has put upon us. Which he has put upon us. Now we know again that Israel in the Old Testament is a picture of spiritual Israel in Christ. All our Lord did in Israel is a picture of what he does for us. So let us come to this text with that in our minds and and I, I believe we'll be blessed, beloved. I believe we'll find this to be a wonderful passage as the Holy Spirit illuminates the scriptures to us and teaches us the things of Christ. Over in Galatians, turn if you would to Galatians chapter 3 and then put your finger in Romans chapter 2. Over in Galatians chapter 3 verse 7, the scripture makes clear this this absolutely wonderful statement. Know ye therefore, Galatians chapter 3 verse 7, Know ye therefore that they which are of faith, the same are the children of Abraham. Paul's declaring that those who are born again blood-washed saints are the children of Abraham. Spiritual. We're spiritual Israel, beloved. We're spiritual Israel. Now turn to Romans chapter 2. And look what it says here. A similar statement is made in Romans chapter 2, verses 28 to 29. Romans chapter 2, verses 28 to 29. For he is not a Jew, which is one outwardly. Neither is that circumcision which is outward in the flesh. But he is a Jew, which is one inwardly. And that circumcision is that of the heart in the spirit. That means you're born again. And not in the letter whose praise is not of men, but of God. Notice that. But he is a Jew, which is one inwardly. 
and circumcision is that of the heart. We who are his blood-bought people are spiritual Jews, beloved. We're one in Christ. We're one in Christ. It's absolutely amazing. And these verses plainly bring forth that the born-again believer is a spiritual Jew. And what marvelous, wonderful news this is. Again, he is a Jew which is one inwardly. And circumcision is that of the heart. It's God's work in the spirit and not in the letter. Whose praise is not of man, but of God. See, we give praise to our great God, don't we? For what he's done. Not only for us, but in us. In us. Again, all power. This is all by the power and might of our great and glorious God. Let's go back to Ezekiel chapter 16. And let us look at this tonight. And we'll see that we who are born again, blood-washed saints, we go from being spiritually bankrupt, spiritually bankrupt, to having all spiritual blessings in Christ. It's wonderful. It's absolutely wonderful. Let us take... Then look at these first uh, verses. Let's look at verses 3 to 5, where we see what we were. We see what our natural state was when we were born into this world. What a picture we have here. And say, thus saith the Lord God unto Israel, Thy birth and thy nativity is of the land of Canaan. Thy father was an Amorite, and thy mother an Hittite. We were born dead in trespasses and sin just like our mom and dad were. Just like our mom and dad were. Ezekiel chapter 16, verse 3. And now let's, let's look at verse 4. And as for thy nativity, in the day thou wast born, thy navel was not cut, neither was thou washed in water to supple thee. Thou wast not salted at all, nor swaddled at all. None I pitied thee to do any of these unto thee, to have compassion upon thee, but thou was cast out in an open field to the loathing of thy person in the day that thou was born. Now, infanticide was practiced in the ancient world, and it's defined as the act of killing a baby within a year of birth. Also, it's a person who kills an infant, especially their own child. And this was a disturbingly common act in the ancient world. It was a disturbingly common act in the ancient world. It was said that in Sparta, this practice was, was organized and managed by the state. All Spartan infants were bought before a council of inspectors and examined for physical defects. And those who weren't up to their standards were left to die. Were left to die. If a Spartan baby was judged to be unfit for their for its future duty as a soldier, it was abandoned on a nearby hillside and left alone. And the child would die of exposure or be rescued and adopted by strangers. And we know that in the pagan nations of old, unwanted, deformed babies were left in fields to perish just as in Sparta. And we see that even in our text. It's brought forth, isn't it? They were just left. 
And what a picture we have in our text here today, tonight, of our natural state. We're born of fallen parents because we all fell in Adam. We were shaped in iniquity and conceived in sin. And the scriptures declare of the wicked that our natural state was we were estranged from the womb and we go astray as soon as they be born speaking lies. That's our state. That's our natural state. We come into this world in this fallen state of absolute, total depravity. And like this baby here, that's left alone to perish in the field, we are absolutely helpless. Think of that. If a parent takes a baby and leaves it in a field like, like what we see here, that baby, that baby needs its parents, doesn't it? And that baby is going to perish if it's left there. If someone doesn't come and rescue it, it's going to perish. It's going to perish. And so this is our state, beloved, when we come into this world. We are helpless. And that baby was hopeless. It's being abandoned. Helpless and hopeless. And, and, and we know that baby had no power and no ability to change the state that it was in. That was us. In our natural state. We were in that same state with no ability. Take note of verse 5. None I pitied thee to do any of these unto thee, to have compassion upon thee, but thou wast cast off in the open field to the loathing of thy person in the day that thou wast born. Hopeless. And strangers from the commonwealth of Israel is what we are in our natural state, beloved. The scripture declares this, that at that time ye were without Christ. That was our state. We were without Christ. Being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope. This baby had no hope. Did None at all. It was helpless, hopeless, no power to help itself, no power to change the situation that it was in. None at all. And we were strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world, Ephesians 2.12. That was our state. We're sinners by birth. We're lawbreakers. We're lawbreakers by, by choice. We're lawbreakers by birth. That's what we are. And, and the law of God must condemn us, right? In that state. Because the holiest, holiness of God is offended. It's offended. The justice of God bears its sword to destroy us. And this is our natural state, beloved, by our birth. And, and this is the true picture of a fallen sinner. And the scriptures proclaim about us from the sole of our foot to the top of our head, there's no soundness in us. None. That's, that's, that's what we are in our natural state. But, but wounds and bruises and petrifying sores, putrefying sores. Turn, if you would, to Romans chapter 3, though. Romans chapter 3. And we're seeing our text. We're seeing this text that our state, in, in, in our state, we're hopeless. We see that in, in what we looked at in Ezekiel there, right? We're hopeless, helpless, no power to, 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 to change anything. 
But beloved, help must come from above. Help must come from above. Help must come from God and God alone. Look at this in Romans chapter 3, starting in verse 10. As it is written, There is none righteous, no, not one. That means that everyone born into this world, that there's none of us who are righteous. That's, that's what that, 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 as plainly as you can say it, there is none righteous. We're all born sinners. All born sinners. Romans 3, 10. Now look at verse 11. There's none that understandeth. That this is our natural state. Now look at this. There's none that seeketh after God. Even though you got false preachers telling people that to, to, God, just, he's just up there wringing his hands. He, he, he so much wants you. That's not what the scripture proclaims, is it? Because they have no ability to come to him. In the natural state. That's what the scripture says right here. We don't understand the things of God. There's none righteous. We're all sinners. There's, there's no understanding in our minds of the things of God. And then it says, there is none that seeketh after God. And we all know, we who, who are the redeemed of the Lord, we know what we were like before. Did you seek God before he saved you? Not at all. We sought the things that please us, didn't we? Look out for number one. Eat, drink, and be merry, because tomorrow we die. That's our, that was our thoughts, just like the old Romans used to say. That was how we were. And we didn't know any better. We had no understanding of who God was. And we did not seek him. We did not seek him. Look, it says there in verse 12, they are all gone out of the way. They are all together to become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. No one does good. We're sinners. (laughs) Everything we do, think of the best thing you do, it's tainted with sin, even as a believer. Your best prayers are tainted with sin. The best sermon a preacher can preach is all tainted with sin. Oh, but praise God, we have a Redeemer, beloved. Praise God, we have a Redeemer. Look at this. Their throat is an open sepulcher. With their tongues they have used deceit. The poison of the asp is under their lips whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their ways. In the way of peace, have they not known? We knew absolutely nothing about the way of peace. We knew absolutely nothing about he who is the Prince of Peace. We knew absolutely nothing about he who is our peace with God. That's our state. And and when you tell people this, they recoil. Well, surely I'm a good person. No. We're all sinners. And then look, it says this. And there's no fear of God before their eyes. Oh, how much we see that nowadays. No fear of God. No fear of God. Vicki and I were talking about, there's a whole generation now that's being raised that, that, that their parents were God-haters, right? Who never went to church. And now these kids are growing up and they have no desire to be in church. They have no desire for the things of the Lord. They have no fear in their eyes, but oh, one day, oh, if they die in their sins, they're going to be trembling. Because God is real. He's real. Now we know that, look at verse 19, now we know that what things soever the law saith, it saith to them who are under the law, that's every human being, right? 
accept Christ because Christ is the God-man. He's the, the seed of the woman. Right? He's the sinless one. But, but as far as you and I, this is talking in our natural state, every one of us. Now we know that whatsoever things the law saith, it saith to them who are under the law, that every mouth may be stopped, and that all the world may become guilty before God. So, so think of that. When, before, when I, when, I, when I was used to think my good would outweigh my bad, do you know what I was saying? I was saying I wasn't guilty before God. So if you, say, you hear someone say, well, I'm a good person, surely, they're, they're basically telling you, I'm not guilty before God. That's what they're telling you. But what does the scripture say? That's what's most important, right? It just told us that all are guilty before God. Everyone. Everyone. Every single person in this room, in, in a natural state, and in, in, in when we were in our natural state, guilty before God. Now we who are redeemed now, now we're clothed in the precious righteousness of Christ. And, 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 we're, and, and praise God, it's all because of what he's done and nothing what we've done. But, but this is the state of natural man right here. Right here. And all men may come, become guilty before God. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall be no flesh, there, there shall no flesh be justified. We can't be justified in any doings. That's what the scripture here plainly declares. You cannot be justified by your works at all. It's impossible. In his sight, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. We're, sin, we're, we're lawbreakers, beloved. <laughs> and we have no way to rectify that in our natural state. But now, look at this. But now the righteousness of God without the law is manifest, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Even the righteousness of God, oh my, which is by the faith of Jesus Christ unto all and upon all them that believe. For there is no difference. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God has set forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood to declare his righteousness. It's all about Christ and all about his righteousness for the remission of sins that are past through the forbearance of God uh, to declare, I say at this time, his righteousness that he might be just in the justifier of him which believeth in Jesus. What a savior. What a redeemer. We saw there man's natural state, hopeless, helpless. But oh, what a redeemer we have. What a redeemer we have in Christ Jesus our Lord. And so we, we see there in verses 10 to 18 our man's awful state in Romans chapter 3. We see that the law condemns us and we're all guilty in our natural state before God. And then we see in verses 21 and 26 the righteousness of God without the deeds of the law, because Christ fulfilled the law for us, is manifested um, by faith in Jesus Christ upon all, or unto all and upon all them that believe. Help must come from above. It must. It must. It must come from above. And beloved, it does. In and through the Lord Jesus Christ. In and through him. And it comes to everyone of God's blood-bought saints, his elect. Now, in light of what we just read in Romans chapter 3, let's turn back to Ezekiel chapter 16. And knowing that help must come from above, let us consider our next point from the text, which means, which is what God has done, what God did, what God did for us. 
Look at this in verses 6 and 7. And when I passed thee and saw thee polluted in thine own blood, I said unto thee, when thou wast in thy blood, live. Now remember, that little baby has no ability, no power. Right? But God passes by and says, I said unto thee, when thou wast in thy blood, live. Yea, I said unto thee, when thou wast in thy blood, live. I have caused thee to multiply as the bud of the field, and thou hast increased in wax and great, and thou art come to excellent ornaments. Thy breasts are fashioned, and thine hair is growing, whereas thou was naked and bare. So she was, the baby was naked, and now the baby's clothed. Oh, my. Note here in the fact that we did not seek him. Do you notice that? The baby, the baby can't do no seeking, can he? But he sought. He sought out that little child. Beloved, he sought us out in the natural state we were in. He sought us out. In our inability, and in our helplessness, and in our hopelessness, we did not come to where he was. He came to where we were. That's what our God does for his people. False religionists, again, tell people that God has invited them or is waiting for them to come to him, that he's done all he can do. And the gift is offered to you, but, but see, you've got you've to come and take it. But, but what do we see in this text here? We see that the child has no ability. We see that the Lord comes to, comes to them. Praise be to God, our great God and King. Think of this. He was mindful of us. You ever think of that? Brother Matt, he was mindful of you in your natural state. He is mindful of you. He came to you. It's absolutely stunning, isn't it? He was mindful of us. And his love has been set upon us from eternity. From eternity. From before the world began. You ever just sat and, 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 and just thought upon that? It'll excite you. <laughs> his love, God's love, was set upon each one of his sheep in Christ from eternity. Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit entered into a covenant of mercy on our behalf, beloved. Turn, if you would, to 2 Thessalonians. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Just let that sink in, though, that God's love, if you're one of his people, was set upon you from eternity. I hope we think about that this week. I hope we ponder that precious truth. And if he loves us, and we know he does, then he'll watch over us. <laughs> then he cares for us. It's wonderful. Look at this in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 13 and 14. But we are bound to give thanks 
always to God for you, brethren, beloved of the Lord, because God hath from the beginning, we know that's in eternity, chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the Spirit and belief of the truth. And who do we believe? Christ. We believe the gospel proclamation about Christ, don't we? It's wonderful. The only reason we do is because we're born again. Whereunto he called you by our gospel, each, each believer is saved by the gospel, being preached and proclaimed by the Lord, which points us to the Lord Jesus Christ, who is our Savior and our Redeemer, by our gospel. Each believer can say, this is my gospel, this is good news for me. For me. To the obtaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now turn to Hebrews chapter 13, if you would. It was Christ who took our place as our surety before God's law and justice. It was he who obeyed the law in our place. It was he who took our sins upon himself. It was he who redeemed us to God by the shedding of his precious blood. It was all him. It was all him. He came to us, didn't he, too, in that state we were in. But he purchased us on Calvary's cross, beloved, 2,000 years ago. Look at Hebrews chapter 13, verses 20 and 21. Now the God of peace that bought again from the dead our Lord Jesus Christ, the great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you perfect in every good work to do his will, working in you that which is well-pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Let's go back to our text again. And the scripture says, I saw thee polluted in thy blood. Look at Ezekiel 16.6. I saw thee polluted in thy blood. God sees us like we really are. He knows every thought we think. He knows all our motives. Everything. Nothing's hid from him. Absolutely nothing. Nothing at all. When we're lost and when we're saved, he knows it all. He knows it all. He sees our sinfulness in our natural state, doesn't he? Because the text here proclaims that he sees us, again, as we really are. I saw thee polluted in my blood. when God the Holy Spirit reveals to us our desperate need for Christ, then we see our sinfulness as God sees it. We see that we have sinned before a holy and righteous God. We see that it is us, it's my sin, that's offended the law and justice of God. And we, 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 see, we see our desperate need for Christ, don't we? We see it. When, when God the Holy Spirit when we're born again, regenerated, and when we, 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 we just flee to him. We just flee to Christ. And this is undeserving mercy. You know, this is mercy for the miserable. This is grace for the guilty. The salvation that we have in Christ. Because we saw over in Romans, we're all guilty, aren't we? But we who are his people receive grace and mercy from God. From him.
Turn, if you would, to Matthew chapter 9. Matthew chapter 9. This salvation in, in Christ is for those who are real sinners. Those who are real sinners. I love these portions in the scriptures where it says that our Lord sat with publicans and sinners. I, I love that. I'm still a sinner, but I'm saved by grace. But, but I, I've not forgotten where I came from. Mm. The pit that the Lord took me out of. The things that I did and, 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 and was doing and, and the places that you go. and you, you, I know it's all under the blood, but, but praise God it's under the blood. Praise God all my sins are forgiven. Is it so with you? We're rebels, aren't we? I was talking to Brother Ron Trabant. We were talking about we're still rebels even after we're saved. <laughs> my, we are. But praise God all our sins are forgiven, beloved. But when I see portions of Scripture like this, it just makes my heart leap. Look at this in Matthew 9, verses 10 to 13. You know, the, the religious folks, we looked at that a little bit this morning, they hated the Lord. They hated him. But look, look where our king is. Look where he is, beloved. Matthew 9, certain in verse 10. And, and it came to pass, as Jesus sat at meat in the house, behold... Many publicans and sinners came and sat down with him and his disciples. That's us. That's a picture of, of, of we're, we're publicans and sinners just like them. And when the Pharisees saw, now when the self-righteous religious Pharisees saw this, what happened? Did they say, oh, that's a blessing. He's, he's ministering to the, the people, the The publicans and sinners. No, they were so full of self-righteousness, so full of who they thought they were, so full. uh, Self-righteousness just oozes out of them. And when the Pharisees saw it, they said unto his disciples, and I imagine they said it with disdain, they just said it with hatred. Why eateth your masters with publicans and sinners? And, And I ask you, are you sin sick? Every believer knows that we're sin sick. Now we're saved and redeemed, but, but we're sin sick, aren't we? And, and whether a person in their natural state believes it, they're sin sick. People talk about pandemics and worry about, oh, if a pandemic breaks out, there's a, there's a pandemic of sin already in us. And it's going to kill every one of us. But when Jesus heard that, he said unto them, they that be whole, they who are self-righteous, they who think that they're good, Need not a physician. Think of us in our natural state. Here. I remember how I used to think. See, this is what we are by birth, by nature, and by choice. This is, this is our state. We don't see a need for a physician. 
But praise God, the Holy Spirit shows his people their need. They that behold need not a physician, but they that are sick. But go ye and learn what that meaneth. I I will have mercy and not sacrifice, for I am not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Is God showing you you're a sinner? Oh, praise God, he shows his people we're sinners. And we flee to Christ, don't we? We flee to the great physician. But isn't it marvelous that our Lord sat with publicans and sinners? Isn't it absolutely wondrous? The king of glory. He didn't snub his nose and say, well, I'm not going to sit with that person. That's what the religious Pharisees did, didn't they? He didn't say that. Praise God, he sat with publicans and sinners and that he came, he came for the sick, the sin sick. And he reveals to us our sinfulness and our desperate need for him. And he, he calls us, doesn't he? He calls us by his grace and we come to repentance in him. We cast ourselves upon him. We plead for mercy. God, be merciful to me, the sinner. We're not looking at anyone else. We're looking at ourselves. God be merciful to me. But God commandeth his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Let's go back to our text in Ezekiel chapter 16. Look at verse 6. It says, when I, I, I said unto thee, when thou wast in thy blood, live. Yea, I said unto thee, when thou wast in thy blood, live. The same way that our Lord stood before the grave of Lazarus, who had been dead for four days, and he called him forth to life in the same way he calls us forth, beloved. He calls us forth. All by his power. Turn, if you would, to John chapter 5. All by his power, he calls us out of our state of spiritual deadness, and he makes us alive in Christ. All by his almighty power. All by his almighty power. John chapter 5. Verses 21 to 29. For as the Father raises up the dead and quickeneth them, even so the Son quickeneth whom he will. For the Father judgeth no man, but hath committed all judgment unto the Son, that all men should honor the Son, even as they honor the Father. He that honoreth not the Son, honoreth not the Father, which which has sent him. Verse 24. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. Well, wondrous words, beloved. Verily, verily, I say unto you, the hour is coming and now is when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God and they that hear shall live. And that's what happened. God called us when we were dead, weren't we? And he gave us life, beloved. For as the Father hath in himself, so hath he given to the Son to have life in himself, and hath given him authority to execute judgment also, because he is the Son of Man. Marvel not at this, for the hour is coming, in which all that are in the grave shall hear his voice, and shall come forth. They that have done good unto the resurrection of life, and they that have done evil unto the resurrection of damnation. So when the Lord quickens, 
and gives us life through the preaching of his word by the power of the Holy Spirit, death gives way to life. Darkness becomes light. Inability gives way to strength. We're made willing. And we flee to the Lord Jesus Christ. And let us never forget that the same power that raised Christ from the grave raised us from our spiritual deadness, beloved. The same power, same power was exercised. Our last point tonight is our time of love. And what we are now, beloved. What we are now. Look at this in verses 8 to 14. Now when I passed by thee and looked upon thee, behold, thy time was a time of love. And I spread my skirt over thee and covered thy nakedness. Yea, I swear unto thee and entered into a covenant with thee, saith the Lord God, and thou becamest mine. Then washed I thee with water. Yea, I thoroughly washed away thy blood from thee, and I anointed thee with oil. I clothed thee also with broidered work, and shod thee with badger skin, and I girded thee about with fine linen, and I covered thee with silk. I decked thee, and remember the baby, it was, it was naked. <laughs> oh my, I decked thee also with ornaments, and I put bracelets upon thy hands, and a chain on thy neck, and I put a jewel on thy forehead, and earrings in thine ears, and a beautiful crown upon thine head. Th- thus was thou decked with gold and silver, and thy remnant was of fine linen and silk embroidered work, and thou didst eat fine flour and honey and oil, and thou was exceedingly beautiful. And thou didst prosper unto a kingdom. And thy renown went forth among the heathen for thy beauty, for it was perfect through my comeliness, which I put upon thee, saith the Lord God. My, my. This wonderful text in verse 8, the scriptures proclaim that it was a time of love. It was a time of love. And this is not based upon our love for Christ, because we know that before we were regenerated by the power of the Holy Spirit, we had absolutely no love for God. We had no love for the Lord Jesus Christ. We had no love for his people. We had no love for the, for the word of God. And, and, and this time of love is because he loved us first. And we love him because he loved us. Because he loved us. And notice also, it was he who covered our nakedness. It's his work. It's his work, beloved. He covered our nakedness, just as he did for Adam and Eve. We looked at that last week in our study on Cain and Abel. It was he who took away our reproach, beloved. The Lord Jesus Christ took our sins and shame, our guilt. The sinless one died for sinners on Calvary's cross. The just one died for the unjust, and we are made holy and righteous in Christ, in Christ alone. Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will raise unto David a righteous branch, and a king shall reign and, and, and prosper, and shall execute judgment and justice to the earth. In his days, Judah shall be saved, and Israel shall dwell safely. And this is his name, whereby he shall be called the Lord our righteousness. Oh my, for he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God. In him. Note in verse 8, I wash thee with water. I wash thee with water. It is God and God alone who cleanses us with water and blood, just as the hymn writer wrote, Let the water and the blood from thy wounded side which flowed be of sin a double cure, which means justify and sanctify, and save from wrath and make me pure. 
We are justified and sanctified in Christ, in Christ alone. We are redeemed by our great Savior. Now look at what the Lord does for us. By his grace he clothed thee. It says, I deck thee, which means adorn thee. I put a beautiful crown on your head. And this is all done for us in and through the Lord Jesus Christ. All by his merits, beloved. All by his merits. All by what he's done. Take note in verse 8 at the end of the verse, and thou becamest mine. This is all by grace. This is all by grace. It is the Lord Jesus Christ and him alone, who again, who has bought us from death to eternal life. From the pit of corruption which we were in, We saw that natural state in Romans, didn't we? We even saw that natural state in the first part of this text. That's where we were. It's God who's bought us out of that. It's by his power and by his might, beloved. In Jude, Jude writes of summing up the fact that our salvation is of the Lord from beginning to end when he says this, now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless. Faultless? Faultless, the scripture declares. Faultless. Before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. He does it with exceeding joy. To the only wise God our Savior be glory and majesty and dominion and power both now and ever. Now in Jude there it says, and to present you faultless. Take note of verse 14 which declares this. Your beauty is perfect through my commonness which I have put upon thee. Oh my. Clothed in the precious, spotless righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's God who's put it on us. <laughs> it's God who's put it on us, beloved. The whole work of salvation, whereby a sinner is lifted from the dunghill of sin, which we were in, washed in the blood, and made righteous, and exalted to eternal life and glory is of the Lord and only of the Lord. Glory to his name. Glory to his name. Heavenly Father, we thank thee for the wonderful picture which we've looked at tonight of how we were in our natural state, hopeless, helpless, with no ability at all to take ourselves out of that situation. But, oh Lord, you saw us. You see your people. You know your sheep by name. And, O oh Lord, at the time of love, we're born again by the Holy Spirit of God. And we flee to thee, Lord Jesus. We pray that you would be glorified and magnified. And we who are your redeemed people, we, we, we just praise your name. For this wondrous work, as we've seen tonight, it's all of thee. It's all of thee. We are, we are adorned with thy perfect spotless righteousness, Lord, which you wrought out for us when you lived and died here upon this earth. And Lord, we will be forever grateful. And our song in heaven will be again worthy as the Lamb. Worthy as the Lamb. All glory goes to thee, O Lord. We pray that if it's your will to draw one of your lost sheep, to show them their desperate state, Lord, we pray that you would. And then we give you all the glory and honor and praise, Lord. We love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.